This is Network, a podcast from Dot Everyone. We're an organisation fighting for a fairer internet. This podcast is about its promise. I think we're actually on the cusp of something exhilarating and terrifying. Its problems. We're getting used to a new way of being alone together. And how we can make the internet fairer for everyone. Hello, I'm Catherine Miller, Director of Policy at Dot Everyone. In this episode of Network, we consider the role of libraries in the digital age. When was the last time you stepped into a library? Was it the other day, the other week, or was it so long ago that all you're left with is nostalgia? Once, the library was where you went to find stuff out. Now, you go to the internet. And while the internet gives us access to vast amounts of information, it cannot give us a library's special sense of place. So what happens if we stop thinking of the internet and libraries as competitors, but rather as complementary forces? Dot everyone is fighting for a fairer internet. And in this podcast, we're talking to some of the people who are trying to use the internet to build a future for libraries, one of our most valuable public assets. We'll hear about unlocking the potential of libraries from the head of the UK Libraries Task Force. And we speak to Brian Boyer about libraryness, a project aimed at bringing New York's public libraries from the margins to the centre of civic life. But first, let's hear from some librarians who see the implications for libraries and trust in the digital age in their work every day. Here are Alison, Leon and Sarah from Suffolk Libraries. I'm Alison Wheeler. I'm the Chief Executive of Suffolk Libraries, uh, which is a, a library mutual. We have 44 library branches and do many other things beside that. There's that lovely quote from Neil Gaiman, which says, a search on Google gives you thousands of results, but a librarian gives you an answer. The vastness of the internet and all the information on it is actually quite baffling for people. So what we find is the role of the library worker has changed hugely. Because once upon a time people came in and asked us to provide that information and we went to a credible source and provided it. Now what we do is we help people understand how they can look for trusted and credible information. There was a great speech by Obama where he talked about the joyous job of citizenship. And I thought, actually, that's a superb way of describing it. And it's libraries are about community citizenship at a very local level. And libraries speak up for those people who are not very vocal on their own behalf. I'm Leon Paternoster, um, I'm the Deputy Head of IT, so you have all those al algorithms obviously on Amazon, but the ultimate point of them is to flog you stuff. So I mean, we're free from that kind of pressure, so you can trust us. I mean, on the other hand, I think it would be probably quite a good idea if we did use the algorithms a bit more to kind of suggest what people might want to borrow, but I think if they trust our motives for this, i.e. they are just to help them find other books, then that's probably quite a strong selling point for us. And actually, how many other places or services can you um, access for free from birth to death? I'm Sarah Lungley. Um, I'm the Mental Health and Wellbeing Coordinator for Suffolk Libraries. You know, whether you're struggling with substance misuse, if you're homeless, if you're an older adult that's got family on the other side of the world, the internet um, and everything that comes with that and being in touch with people and accessing information and support via that 
is it's all here it's all under our roofs and like I say there's not many other places that you could actually get that and get someone to actually help you access it just off the top of my head I've got one gentleman in particular um he'd come over from Portugal been working um started to suffer with psychosis his mental health went downhill quite quickly and lost his job um was over here with no family found himself homeless um, I bumped into him in the library one day. When I met him, he hadn't eaten in six days. And actually, within five minutes, using the internet and showing him how to access it, we'd got him information on the local soup kitchen and a bed for the night. Um, and that is literally just a computer, one member of staff, one conversation. Um, I've seen that gentleman since, and he's now got um, access to emergency accommodation and a hot meal every day. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably one of the best examples I can give you, actually, of the power of the internet and the types of people that can access it here that wouldn't get that anywhere else. But it's not just new technologies which are changing libraries. In the UK, as elsewhere, public funding has been cut dramatically. There have been closures and job cuts, and it's hit the service hard. But at the same time, it's also reminded people just how much they cherish their libraries. There have been public demonstrations and campaigns by leading authors. The government has set up a libraries task force to make libraries in England and Wales fit for the 21st century. I asked its chief executive, Cathy Settle, whether the current sense of crisis in the country's libraries was due to the challenges of technology or just the funding Big question cuts. that is. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily call it a crisis, I, I think, personally. Um, I mean, certainly we have seen, we have certainly seen some library closures. Um, the Department of Culture, Media and Sport estimate over about the last six years is around 110 libraries have closed. Um, you do tend to hear far more exaggerated figures than that uh, in the media. Um, and one of the things as a task force that we particularly want to do is ensure that actually there's better data out there, more accurate data to sort of correct the, the myriad of stories that go on. Um, but there have been some changes, absolutely, we wouldn't, we wouldn't deny that. Some of those have come from funding pressures, absolutely. Some of them have actually come because library buildings weren't necessarily in the right place anymore and the buildings that we were using weren't fit for purpose really anymore. Um, you know, a lot of what people want to do now in libraries is coming together and uh, maybe co-creating, whether that's anything from you know making a film to co-creating some digital product. Um, and actually, very old-fashioned library buildings with maybe small little rooms maybe aren't the best places for that. Maybe you want something more open plan. Uh, and quite often, existing library buildings weren't necessarily easily adapted to that. So um, I think a lot of things have been going on, actually. And just to say, oh, it's a crisis and no one goes anymore, I, th I think is a sort of a, an underplay of a, a wider scenario. You know, we still have more people go to libraries every year than go to... Um, Premier League football games to the cinema and to the top 10 UK tourist attractions combined. That is millions and millions of people. Uh, you know, that's not disappeared overnight, so we shouldn't forget that. What do you think are the biggest challenges in, in transforming the libraries that we have for, as you say, fit for, fit for purpose for the 21st century? Probably a mix, actually. So some of this is about mindset, I think. 
actually of you know the people who are running library services but also maybe some of our you know some of our users a lot of people have an image in their mind of what a library service looks like and you know the building that they used to walk into maybe then when they were a child and it can be quite hard to imagine something different so i think some of it is about challenging people's preconceptions and showing them different libraries that have opened you know in the uk and overseas to sort of give them an idea of, of what possibilities are available and that's the same with users you know if you ask a, a library user you know what is it you want from a library service um, you know they'll tend to talk about the things that they've always done there and the things that they know you know it's quite hard for people to imagine something they've never encountered you know so sometimes we have to give them some opportunities pilot some new ideas show them some new opportunities which maybe widens their horizons so so sometimes this is about a I won't say a lack of aspiration, but just a lack of imagination because you don't know what's possible. And when you think about uh, making libraries fit for purpose, bringing them into the 21st century, how much does using technology that's spread throughout society, how much of a strand through the library of the future do you think that is? Critical, I would say. So certainly when we think about our library services, we think about both the physical buildings, the digital online presence, and the work that libraries do in terms of outreach and running services in other parts of the community. And actually what we want is all of those to be totally seamless. So, you know, give you an example, someone um, goes online um, and they are researching a particular book and the availability of a book, for example. Um, and as part of that search, what you want is some you know, a message to come up to you say, you know, do you know that actually your local library is actually staging a play on, on that particular book on Thursday? So they went, oh, that's, that's really interesting, you know. So actually they go, I like the book, I'll go to the play. So actually it moves them seamlessly between the digital presence and the physical presence. And maybe then when they go to the play, they actually see information about... Um, you know, a book club that's actually, you know, being run. So they, they go and hold another service in the library or they see details about there's an outreach service that's being done in their local health centre or something. You know, so I think what we want is something that actually makes all that to truly integrated. Our 3,000 libraries, um, you know, usually their digital presence at the moment is through those 151 local authority websites and libraries will have some pages on the local authority website. Um, as you might expect, that tends to end up as being a quite a transactional affair, so you go on to reserve a book to find out the opening hours. It isn't the sort of really immersive, interesting, exciting discovery experience that you would get maybe if you looked on a museum or an art gallery website and you discover something totally new you don't know about. Um, it is quite difficult in a local authority where you've got hundreds of other things to do um, to have the capacity and the capability to design that sort of website. So, you know, one of the things for the task force is saying, is it sensible for local authorities to try and do that 151 times, or actually could we maybe do something nationally to provide a better online presence that everybody can benefit from? So again, that's something we're looking at as our, one of our contributions towards trying to move library services forward. So you mentioned better use of data what, what would that look like and, and what would be the the impact that could have okay. so libraries actually hold an awful lot of data um, but it is quite narrowly focused so it's the number of people who come through the door it's the numbers of books that are loaned it's the number of 
you know, where they still have them, CDs, DVDs that are loaned out, for example. Um, it is the number of people who come along to the activities that they run. All those are valuable, um, but they're only part of the picture. And uh, what we're trying to do is illustrate the impact that libraries can have, the outcomes that they help communities achieve. Um, so not only, well, how many people came along to the session on CV writing, but how many of those people then subsequently applied for jobs, how many of them got jobs. You know, that's the, the real measure of success of the intervention that the library's made. Um, so I think using, out, uh, using better data to show the outcomes that libraries present is one thing. I think the other thing is showing that range of activities that libraries do. So as I say, too often we've focused on collecting data about books. That will still remain an important part of the library offering, but actually we also, also need to be looking at the stuff that libraries do around arts and culture, around health, around prosperity, around digital literacy and you know, access to Wi-Fi or, or computers or whatever it might be. So we need to be gathering data across that wider range of activities rather than just that very narrow focus we have at the moment. So the story of libraries in the UK today and where they're headed isn't just one of doom and gloom. Digital technologies have the potential to help libraries connect up, personalise and better measure the impact of their services. And lots of the changes Cathy spoke about don't have to be flashy or expensive, but they do require a reimagining of what libraries are capable of doing, which, as Cathy said, can be hard. That reimagining is the aim of a project called Libraryness. It's a response to a competition by the Centre of Urban Futures in New York to find ways to recognise the importance of libraries to the city, and it came up with quite a radical rethinking of what libraries are. Brian Boyer is the co-founder of the design studio Dash Marshall. He told me more about Libraryness. Well, you, you call it an advocacy programme, but it's actually much much more sort of dramatic you create a whole story of what libraries might turn into yeah our approach to it was uh another white paper is just another few pages on the stack and what we wanted to do was find a way to to tell the story of the libraries that was more compelling and to also make a vision of a new future for the libraries feel real and palpable so as in many places the library in, in New York City is no longer just about books. It's about access to citizenship information, to job training information, um, to help with language for people who maybe don't speak English so well or are learning English, um, access to technology and technology education, uh, a, a number of different roles that the library is playing. And so what we wanted to do was find a way for the library's presence in our everyday lives to mirror its presence in our or its role as part of the social infrastructure of the city. And so what we did was uh, present libraryness as a incremental set of steps that start with something really small. And the really small place that we started was rethinking the branding and the relationship between uh, the library and, and the citizens of the city. So one of the unique things about the branch library system in New York is that Branches from all over the city use a consolidated uh, what's called book operations center, and that's where the 
the books are handled and sorted and then sent back out to the libraries um, to be loaned out to people. And so that means that there are trucks that are moving all throughout the city on a regular basis, filled with library books, doing library business, and yet they are blank trucks, right? So if you put yourselves in the shoes of, say, a commercial venture, and you had a fleet of trucks going all about town, you would absolutely use that fleet to advertise your services and try to bring more attention to yourself. And yet the library trucks were blank box trucks. So our starting point was actually just to say, how do we turn these trucks into an icon in the city that would have the same kind of status as a fire truck, a police car, uh, New York City taxi cab, all these other iconic vehicles that are so important, especially to children in the city. And that if we could do that, that we'd start to create a new relationship with not just your branch library, but the overall system. And and the, the images that you create of this are really striking. And you imagine the scenario where these these lorries, these vans with the your new branding, public library branding, would be a thing that you would want to share on social media. Hey, I spotted one of those. It's really cool. Um, and one of the things that I felt really came through from the project was that you, you really think of the libraries as a network within other networks in the city and thinking about how to get those networks talking to one another. So the way that we conceptualized the branch libraries were as interfaces to the full networks of the city, or you could say the full social infrastructure of the city. And that means that we think of the library not as its own line item in the budget, but really as the starting point um, or kind of the cap of, of a number of different line items on the budget. So we, we were thinking of the library as the interface to all of these other systems, right? So lifelong learning, um, technology training, uh, uh, access to jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And so what that means is that we need to think about the connectivity and we need to think about for instance, um, co-locating services and staff. Uh, we need to think about different roles for the librarians. So uh, not necessarily so uh, strongly focused on information services and sort of wrangling information, but also in uh, helping understand people and their needs and connecting them to those needs, whether they're books or online resources or individuals and organizations. And that's a, a role that um, actually a number of librarians in the states these days play. But uh, from our understanding and our research, um, it's not necessarily a commonly held opinion that librarians should play that role within the professions. The, the world of libraries that you envisage is, is very exciting, but I wonder at the end of it, if, if, all the, uh, if all your dreams were fulfilled, the, what you end up with at the end, is that something that really is a library? It, we're, you know, is it something to those of us who grew up before the internet was part of our lives and, and visited the library in that sense? What elements of that old you know, 1980s library would we still understand in your final vision? What, what could we still relate to? When I think about the library that I went to as a child, it was a place where I went seeking new ideas, seeking entertainment, seeking quiet, 
And I think that all of those have a role in the library of today and the near future. Um, but I think what we're also seeing, particularly here in the States, and I, I can't speak to the context anywhere else, that life is hard and we don't have a developed safety net here. Um, we don't have necessarily e easy pathways to navigate to the help that you need. And so when I think about the future role of the library, it, the thing that will be constant that has, I think, always been true about the library and should be true in the future as, is that it's a place where people go to help themselves. And librarians help people help themselves. And that help can be in the form of finding information, finding camaraderie, uh, finding a little bit of entertainment or delight in the day, or finding calm. And you know, I think there are spatial uh, architectural ways to provide all of those. But for me, it's, it's this really basic notion that um, we need to create easier entry points. We need to think about the, the first mile or the first step in whatever journey somebody is embarking on. And the library is a place that can make that easier. And if there's one aspect of the project that you could just click your fingers and make it happen and, and it would be there, that, that you would feel particularly uh, happy to see, to see in real life, is there, is there one thing that you would love to see happen? Yes, this is easy. It would be something we called radical maintenance. And the notion of radical maintenance is that getting back to zero with repairs to buildings that have fallen into poor shape is completely uninspiring and really kind of uninteresting, although necessary. And so radical maintenance was a proposal that you would take a building that, say, needed repairs to the roof, which was leaking, and not just patch the roof, but go one step further and maybe create access to the roof so that it could be a roof garden or change the lighting on the roof so that you had far better daylighting. And so in the notion of radical maintenance is the idea that we can repair the city at the same time as uh, repositioning these things that we're repairing and making them um, more useful and also more present in people's everyday lives. What comes through in all the conversations we've had is that the internet has not killed off libraries. They hold a special place in our towns and cities, a vital, safe space. And there's potential for digital to amplify, not undermine, what libraries are. But what libraries really do need to do is to find a new story. They need to get better at telling us where they fit into our lives, now and in the future. Thanks for listening to our new podcast network. If you've got any thoughts on this episode, please tweet us at .everyoneuk or if you want to find out more about what everyone is doing to make the internet fairer, jump on to .everyone.org.uk.